Welcome everyone. My name is Ananda Krishnan, one of the youth coaches here at HTBB. It's an honor to be sharing God's word with all of you. Now, we have all heard of famous phrases from popular movies or favorite books, the punchline that stick with people even years after. We're going to play a little game of guess who said this to see how many of these phrases you're familiar with. Ready? I will be back. If you guess the Terminator, that's right. The cold never bothered me anyway. That's Elsa from Frozen. How about this one? My precious. If you guess Gollum from Lord of the Rings, you're absolutely right. Let's try one more. Therefore, go and make disciples. Jesus said, Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of age. As Christians, we are called to live a life of purpose. And our purpose is beautifully summarized in the Great Commission that I've just read, Matthew 28, 19. Have you been in a situation so remarkable that it seemed like a miracle? Consider those moments when you receive great news that gets you excited, that you want to share it right away, perhaps to your family or to your friends and even on social media. For me, the best news I received and filled my heart with so much gratitude to God was when my wife said yes and I asked her to marry me. I wanted to call everyone I knew. I wanted to share it on all my social media. I invited my closest friends and family for a party to celebrate the good news. Thankfully, she said yes. If not, that would have been one awkward party. These are kinds of moments that we feel compelled to share with others. And as we naturally share good news, not out of obligation, but out of pure joy and commitment to the cause. The excitement about receiving something so good that you just can't help talking, talking, and talking about it. I can imagine that's how the early disciples were feeling. They lived with Jesus and experienced the good news. So when Jesus said, go and make disciples, he was saying to them, because you received this good news, now you must go and share it. It was their God's given purpose. As we continue to unpack this verse, let's start by understanding the first word, therefore. In Greek, the word therefore actually translates as un. It has a connotation of certainly, which is a strong word and gives so much weight to this passage. Has our great commission. Before the word therefore, the previous verse speaks about all authority of heaven and on earth has been given to me, Jesus. This is found in Matthew 28, 18. Imagine the disciples' thoughts at that moment. They witnessed Jesus calm the storm, heal the sick, raise the dead. And they had seen him defeat death itself. Yet, it was at this very moment of divine declaration that Jesus was also about to leave them physically. The departure must have left the disciples feeling a deep sense of uncertainty to carry out the missions all by themselves. Now, with this tension in mind, let's understand why Jesus' departure was not a cause of despair, but a call to action. Because of the very same previous verse in Matthew 28, 18, that declares Jesus has all authority in heaven and on earth, then we can and must certainly go and make disciples. The Great Commission gives us the confidence and a purpose to tell the story of God's good news. I wonder if you are struggling right now about purpose. 
or maybe you're feeling a bit uncertain on what to do. Remember in this moment that Jesus said, therefore, go. Jesus instructs us to go into the world. In the English language, the word go is an action word. This means taking action, stepping out of our comfort zone, and actively sharing the good news. When Jesus said go, it's not out of duty or obligation, but out of love. And this was first demonstrated by Jesus himself. Jesus left his heavenly place to come to where we are. The word became flesh and dwelt among us. John 1.14 Born in a lonely, dingy manger, he became a man, suffered on the cross, died and rose again, so that we may be reconciled with God. Jesus took not just a step, but laid down his life for you and I, out of pure love. This commission is for every believer, and we aren't alone. Acts 1.8 says, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all of Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Perhaps the ends of the earth may seem a little daunting, but consider the many other ends of your life. The other end of the dining table, they are the end of the classroom, they are the end of the office space, they are the end of your neighborhood. We can start within our communities where we have been purposely placed. Allow me to share a story of how my father found out about this amazing God we serve. I accepted Christ later in life when I was 14 through my school Christian fellowship, which was led by my English teacher. He was very kind and a humble man, despite being strict. He would always go out of his way to care for students. I remember this one time, I couldn't really afford to go for camp, but he paid for me. My father supported me in everything I wanted, except my faith. Now, my father, who was not a Christian yet, used to attend a Christian school throughout his education. He gained a lot of knowledge of the Bible, like the history of the church, its origins, and everything there was to know. My father had all the hate knowledge about Jesus and the faith but never quite made sense in his heart. One day, he suddenly expressed his desire to accept Christ. It was one of the happiest moments. And when I asked him why now, he told me it was because he saw the way my teacher lived his life. My father noticed how he loved selflessly and cared unconditionally. My teacher never explicitly shared the good news. He just lived a life in a way that resembles God's grace. This helped my father's faith go from here to here. A disciple was made. Which brings us to the third part of this line, which speaks about making disciples. Notice that the Great Commission is not being disciples, but to make disciples. When we share the good news, we are participating in God's redemptive plan for humanity. I remember how I felt when I accepted Christ. But more importantly, I remember how I felt when my father accepted Christ. Disciples are followers of Christ. That's how the word Christian came about. Disciples of Christ are to be like Him, to follow in His footsteps and how He loves. As we make disciples, we point them to Jesus. Remember that people don't want to see God in a picture or in a building. They want to see Him in you and I. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations. I'm speaking about go. I'm going to go right now and pass this time over to Ed. Thanks, Ananta, for the message where we explore Jesus' mandate to go forth and make disciples. 
and that going forth and make disciples isn't just a command, but rather it is an invitation to a lifelong spiritual journey. The good news is that the journey doesn't end when we say yes to Jesus, but rather it is just the beginning. And it begins with baptism. Matthew 28 verse 19 says, Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. So what is baptism? Baptism isn't just some ritual or a rite of passage. Instead, it's where we experience firsthand amazing grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the overwhelming love of God the Father and the intimate fellowship of the Holy Spirit. So whether you've been baptized, not been baptized, or considering getting baptized, I hope this message will be useful. So let's dive deep, pun intended, and unpack this divine act together. Firstly, baptism in the name of the Father. My wife and I are blessed with a son and we name him Tan Renkai. Tan connects him to my family's lineage. Ren is his generational name and Kai is the unique name that we gave him, which in full means benevolence and kindness, triumphant and victorious, which we thought was rather unique. Until we found out that there were at least 10 other baby Kais among our social groups, which is totally okay because though names might be shared, each of us are uniquely and wonderfully made. In the same heartfelt way that we name our son, God, our Heavenly Father, calls and knows each of us by name. When we are baptized in the name of the Father, we are stepping into a family, the largest and the most loving one, God's family. God's love for us is all-encompassing and is described as the agape love. It is the highest form of love the selfless, sacrificial, unconditional love, the kind of love that God has for His creation, us as children of God. Galatians 3 verse 26 to 29 says, So in Christ Jesus, you are all children of God through faith. For all of you who are baptized into Christ have clothed yourselves with Christ. There is neither Jew nor Gentile, neither slave nor free, nor is there male and female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. If you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. So just as my son inherits my family's legacy and love, baptism in the name of the Father makes us heirs of God's promises, promises of hope, redemption, eternal life, the unbreakable bond with God and His unfailing love. Secondly, baptism in the name of the Son. Romans 6, chapter 6, verse 4 says, We were therefore buried with Him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. Baptism is not just a dip into water, but the act of submersion and being raised again mirrors exactly this. Death to our old selves and resurrection in Christ Jesus. When Jesus was being baptized in the Jordan River, the Gospel of Mark described the heavens as being torn open. And the Greek word used for torn open here is schizo, which is the same one used to describe when the temple curtains were torn in two at Jesus' death. Both events signify direct access to God. At Jesus' baptism, the barrier between heaven and earth is momentarily dissolved. And at Jesus' death, when He was crucified on the cross, the barrier of sin that separated us from God is permanently torn apart. 
when we are baptized in the name of the Son, we are publicly declaring the inward transformation that is made possible only through what Jesus has done for us on the cross in His death. We are declaring that we've received His grace and we're now living in its reality. We're acknowledging that the perfect, blameless Son of God who is without sin took on the weight of our sin, bearing the pain, guilt and shame that we deserve so that through His sacrifice, we find redemption. It's not about what we're doing, but what Jesus has already done. It is not our act, but Jesus' act on the cross that saves. Just as He was crucified and laid to rest, so too our old sinful selves. And just as He rose again, we too emerge from grave to grace. And lastly, baptism in the name of the Holy Spirit. I wonder if any of you have ever felt lost in a shopping mall car park. Normally, I'll make a mental and a physical note of where I park my car, but there's this one time when I went to Gunting Highlands Premium Outlet Store. First time there, never been there before, and yep, you guessed it. I, for the life of me, I couldn't remember where I parked my car. And for the next 20 minutes, I was literally pacing around the car park, various floors of the car park, trying to look for my car. And had I not painstakingly retraced my steps, I might probably still be wandering around the car parking lot till today. Well, at that moment, I thought it would have been really useful if, were, if there were some sort of signpost to steer me in the right direction. Well, that's the Holy Spirit. He is like ways because as the book of Isaiah says, his ways are higher than our ways. Sorry, that joke. The Holy Spirit, our counselor, is with us every step of the way. That gentle whisper, the nudge in the right direction, the comfort in times of, of sorrow. Well, that's him. When we're baptized in the name of the Holy Spirit, the same power that raised Jesus from the dead now dwells within us. Ephesians 1, chapter 13 to 14 says, And you also were included in Christ when you heard the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation. When you believed, you were marked in Him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession to the praise of His glory. So may the Holy Spirit lead us, guide us, and continuously remind us of the truth of who we are in Christ. May we anchor ourselves not in the approval of this world, not in the things that we've done, but in who we are, children of God who is deeply and fiercely loved. As we journey through the deep waters of baptism, we've seen the imprints of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And we can acknowledge three pivotal truths. Firstly, baptism speaks to our new identity as child of God as we step into this loving family of Christ. Secondly, baptism signifies our death to our old sinful selves and resurrection in Christ Jesus. And lastly, the spirit in our baptism now dwells within us and is the source of our very new life. As we emerge from the waters, He continues to interweave our lives with hope, with purpose, and with the assurance that we are part of something much bigger than ourselves. And you too can experience this new reality. If you're interested, 
HDBB does baptism three times a year. The next one is happening February next year and we would love to have you involved. In the meantime, I would like to invite Phoebe to come unpack what comes next. Thank you. Thank you, Edward and Anantha, for your powerful messages. Hi everyone, I'm Phoebe and I'm part of the discipleship team here at HTVB. Though you may have also seen me here in this space leading worship behind a microphone. I do that too. And today, I'm excited to share with you the final part of this message. So earlier, Anantha started off our sharing today talking about Jesus giving the command to go and make disciples. Edward then shared about Jesus' next instructions, which is to baptize people in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. And it doesn't just end there. You can say that it is just the beginning. Now in verse 20, Jesus continues by saying, teach them to obey everything that I have commanded you. But what does it mean to obey? Now, I know that for some of us, the word obey isn't necessarily very appealing. It often comes with the idea of having to submit, that you have to obey. And it could feel uncomfortable because it seems like you have no freedom to choose. But the reality is that even when we choose not to obey God, there will be something or someone else that we obey, whether we like it or not. Now, in the book, Bound to be Free, The Paradox of Freedom, the author Bishop Graham Tomlin explores the idea of freedom and how it affects our choices in life. Now, he refers to Galatians chapter 4, verse 3, where Paul says that we were enslaved by the forces of the world. And also, in Galatians 5, verse 1, he says, For freedom, Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to the yoke of slavery. Now, the bishop writes that through these verses, Paul indicates that we are not as free as we think we are, even when we don't obey God. We are often influenced by the people we follow, whether in person or on Instagram, and by the media we consume, by our friends and family. Now, I have a nephew and he started speaking very young. Now, he was truly a sponge and a parrot at the same time, picking up the different phrases that my sister would say, constantly repeating them. Now, one time, my sister was trying to get her husband, my brother-in-law's attention, and saying his name over and over, but he just didn't respond straight away until my nephew suddenly called out, Babe! <laughs> which is what my sister sometimes calls her husband affectionately. Now, she had used babe often enough that my nephew, who wasn't even two at the time, knew how to use it. Now, that definitely got my brother-in-law's attention. <laughs> like it or not, we mirror and imitate the people and things around us. For most of us here who are actively living in a society and not in a cave isolated somewhere, I think you can agree with me that we cannot truly be free of the influence of other things and other people even when we're not trying to intentionally obey them. And in our lives, there are not that many things that are guaranteed to be truly good for us that gives us life. However, Jesus promises to give us life in all its fullness. He says in John 14 verse 6 that He is the way, the truth, and the life. That is the freedom He wants to give us. The freedom mentioned by Paul in Galatians, to be free from the forces of the world and in turn be free 
to become what we have been created to be. God, who is our creator, knows us from within, even before we were born. He knows us better than we know ourselves. And when we choose to obey Jesus, we choose the path of life. We choose the person who is life. Maybe for some of you here today, you may not believe in Jesus. And if you're honest with yourself, you're tired of following someone or pursuing something that doesn't seem to give you life. In fact, it almost feels like it's literally sucking the life out of you. Now, if that is you, and you have tried following everything else, would you try Jesus today? He wants to give you life, to give you true freedom. Or maybe for some of you here today, you've chosen to obey and follow Jesus, but you might think, how do I do that when you know I can still be constantly influenced, distracted, and affected by all the other things in our world? Well, we definitely can't do it in our own capacity and strength. We can only do it with God's strength. Now, Jesus continues to say in verse 20 that I am with you always to the end of the age. I am with you always to the end of the age. Now, he says this in the present tense for the disciples then, but also it applies to us now. He is with us. He will continue to be with us as promised, helping us to overcome the obstacles around us, the other things vying for our attention that stand in the way of us coming to Him. And He does this through the Holy Spirit. Now, later in the Bible, in Acts chapter 1, Jesus would tell the disciples that they would receive power through the Holy Spirit. And God did as He promised. What's amazing is that this promise of the Holy Spirit was already given 800 years earlier to the prophet Joel, where God said, I will pour out my Spirit on all people. His Spirit is for everyone. Now God sent the Holy Spirit that would help us to do things that we cannot do as humans. We truly cannot do anything apart from God. Hence, we need His Spirit to fill us every day. And when Paul mentions in Ephesians 5, 18 to 19 about being full of the Spirit, he used the present passive imperative, which can be translated as continually being full of the Spirit. I remember the first time that I was filled with the Spirit. I grew up in a Christian family, so I learned about God and also about the Holy Spirit since I was young. When I was about seven, my family and I went on a church camp and in the kids program, they encouraged us to pray and wait for the Holy Spirit. Not really knowing what to expect, I just closed my eyes and waited. And for a while, it was just really quiet and nothing was really happening. Then I started to feel this really warm and comforting sense wrap around me. <laughs> it felt like the best hug in the world. And my tears just started falling. It only occurred to me a bit later that I had been touched by the Spirit. And it is to this day, the most reassuring, peaceful, and comforting presence I have ever experienced. The disciples didn't know when the Spirit would come, 
but they still had faith and made themselves ready by waiting. And the Spirit then came on Pentecost, filling each and every one of those disciples. And those disciples went on to make more disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything Jesus had commanded. It's why we have the church today. And this is how the Spirit has been moving in the church for centuries, filling and empowering everyone who is willing to receive. For some, it may be, you know, a reassuring feeling, a warm sense, like what I experience. And for others, maybe there's no feeling at all. And whether or not we feel it, when we ask the Spirit to fill us, we are empowered all the same. The Spirit is here right now. So why don't we exercise that faith like the disciples and wait? Let us pray. Come Holy Spirit. As I was preparing the message, I had this sense that maybe some of you who are watching today, that you are, you know, like what I shared, people who have been aimlessly following something for the longest time and not feeling like you have life given to you. Maybe you feel like you don't have a purpose. Whether or not you know Jesus, I believe that He wants to give you life, to give you true freedom, and to give you a purpose. And for some of you, maybe you just want to be refreshed once again by the Spirit, that it has been some time since you felt empowered or you felt that, you know, the Spirit is with you. And whether or not you actually sense the Spirit with you where you are watching now, I believe the Lord wants to empower you and refresh you, to give you new vision or to give you the strength to continue on the path that He has already called you to. I would like to pray right now for both of these people, these groups of people. Lord, I thank You that we have Your Spirit and that as You call us to do, Lord, this great work, this, Lord, work that almost seems impossible. We know we don't do it, Lord, with our own strength. We do it, Lord, because you called us and you empowered us to do so. And only with the power and authority and the spirit that you give us that we can do anything at all. And for those, Lord, who have been wandering aimlessly, who have, Lord, not felt life given to them, Lord, through the things that they have been doing, the people and whatever it is they're pursuing. God, I pray that you breathe life into them now. Fill them with your spirit. And for those, Lord, who just want to be refreshed once again, won't you also come, fill them wherever they are, 
give them a sense, Lord, of your peace. And even if they don't have that sense, Lord, let them know deep in their hearts, God, you are with them, you will be with them, always empowering, strengthening, guiding them on the path that you want them to go, the path that leads to life. And we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.